This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Before we get into today's episode, we would like to acknowledge and pay respects to the Wondry people of the Kulin Nation who are the traditional owners of this land. We pay our deepest respects to the elders, past and present, and to the next generation who we hope to create a different future for. The best career advice that you are not getting is to invest. Hello and welcome to Your Ingle Company, a podcast that makes investing accessible for everyone. I'm Maddie and as always, I'm in some very good company with my co-host that has a sore throat, Sophie. (laughs) (laughs) It's not a, yeah, if you haven't noticed already, my voice is gone. It's not a sore throat, it's just I was screaming at the footy. (laughs) for my team and it's just gone and I you know when people say like oh yeah you want to lose your voice it's like kind of sexy I'm like this is the most annoying thing ever like I hate it I on the other hand am recovering from the flu so if I sound nasally I am very sorry but we are doing our best for you this week well today is an exciting day because we are kicking off another crypto series we did a crypto series in our last season about bitcoin and this time we are jumping into ethereum and NFT. NFTs. Highly recommend you heading back to our crypto series in November if you are interested. But today we are very excited to be sitting down with Jordan Franklin, aka The Happy Spender. Jordan started in this space when she began sharing her crypto learning journey on TikTok. Fast forward to today and she is a highly regarded woman in crypto. From side hustle to full-time job, Jordan now works full-time in content creation and Web3 consulting. Her favorite cryptocurrency is Ethereum, which is also the second largest crypto in the world. And we've asked her to join us today to help us break down everything that we need to know. Welcome, Jordan. Thank you. Thank you guys so much for having me. I'm excited to talk about the wonderful world of Ethereum. Well, we love your social media content, so we're so excited to have you on as well. We start the episode the same way with every guest. So we're asking, what is the best thing that's happened to you in the past week? The best thing that's happened to me in the past week is I recently joined a new gym and I definitely have to go to the gym like frequently. It's so good for my mental health and it creates so much structure in my days, especially now that I'm not working a full-time job. So I go bright and early. I'm up at six. I go and I was going by myself, which is fine. But I feel like we all know that going with a gym buddy, it's almost you know, a more enjoyable experience to have someone there that you know, and that you can, you know, partner with and whatever. So the best thing that's happened to me in the past week is that I found a new gym buddy and I, (laughs) I love it. And I know that's a probably an unusual thing, best thing to happen to you in the past week. But um, yeah, I love working out with other people and, and being amongst other people. And yeah, so I'm really, really enjoying that part of my schedule at the moment and doing it with, you know, new people is always fun. I love it. It definitely helps me to get out of bed in the morning if I know that I'm meeting someone at the gym. Mm. Jordan, if you could have dinner with anyone, who would it be and why? Right now, I would love to have dinner with Katie Horn. She's the reason I got into cryptocurrency early 
last year in 2021. Um, she was formerly a US federal prosecutor and she played a hand in uh, charging criminals involved in money laundering on the Bitcoin blockchain. Uh, and in that process became so interested in blockchain technology that she uh, decided to leave her career as a lawyer altogether and pursue a career in the Web3 space. And she's had a lot of success and recently raised $1.5 billion for a new venture capital firm. Oh, that is a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I think that hearing Katie talk about cryptocurrency, you know, as a female, someone with a non-technical background and in very simple terms, that was very easy to relate to and to to resonate with so I'd love to have dinner with her and pick her brain and she also just seems like a lovely human she's got a few podcast interviews floating around if anyone wants to listen to them we'll definitely look them up and link them for the community and if you could be a stock or company who would you be and why (laughs) (sighs) that is a great question I have definitely, my head's been a lot more in the crypto game over this sort of stock game more recently, but I'm trying to think about what I currently own at the moment. I think that one thing that I'm really admiring at the moment is the whole push towards investing in more ethical companies. So something that people are taking the time to research and invest in to better their own knowledge about what's happening in the world um, and Obviously, that leads to to better investment decisions, just like how more education in the cryptocurrency space should lead to better investment decisions. We really should have changed that for you to say if you could be a stock company or crypto. Would have been much more appropriate. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. I hadn't, really, I hadn't really given that question too much thought, which is probably obvious. But <laughs> well, Jordan, I'm keen to get into it then because you did say when you were, I think, chatting actually to our friends over at Crypto Curious, which is another Equity Mates podcast, that your favorite uh, cryptocurrency is Ethereum. So keen to get a quick rundown to start off with. What is Ethereum and how does it work? So Ethereum is a smart contract blockchain. So (laughs) it's okay. Good words, good good jargon. Let's break it down. down. (laughs) So basically a, you know, quick recap of, of the blockchain. A blockchain is just a place where we store data. And the way that we store data is, you know, you take the information or a transaction that's made on the blockchain and you organize it into a block and then those blocks are chained together to form the blockchain. And there are a few special features of the blockchain that make it really unique and that is that it's decentralized, it's immutable, it's transparent, meaning that once the information is stored, it can't be changed, anyone can see it and it is a completely secure way of transacting. So we take the idea of the blockchain, which is just a ledger where information lives and then we're combining it with a smart contract or smart contract capability. The easiest way to think about a smart contract is um, using that sort of infamous analogy of the vending machine. You put $5 in, you click a button and then that vending machine is programmed to deliver whatever you have clicked the button for. So like a can of Coke or whatever it is. So That vending machine is a very simple version of a smart contract. You are telling it to do X and it does Y. So 
A smart contract is really just an agreement where conditions have to be met in order for that agreement to be executed. So when we think about a smart contract blockchain, it's a place where we can transact in a way that is extremely, I guess, secure and transparent. When you transact using smart contract capability, you know that if this happens, if X happens, then Y happens, and you can trust that the blockchain is going to facilitate that transaction for you. So in simple terms, Ethereum is used to transact, to make purchases, to play games, to do a whole bunch of things. The Ethereum ecosystem is huge. Can you give us an example of a smart contract under in the Ethereum ecosystem to give people some like context? I guess right now you would use, if you want to buy a certain cryptocurrency, say for example, you want to buy Bitcoin, you would download a cryptocurrency exchange app, say like SwiftX or CoinSpot. And you know, you would buy cryptocurrency on the exchange platform. Whereas in the Ethereum network, you might be able to, you, you can buy different cryptocurrencies and exchange different cryptocurrencies on decentralized or in decentralized finance, where instead of having to rely on the middleman that is SwiftX or CoinSpot, you are instead facilitating that transaction using smart contract capability. So smart contracts really just replace the role of a person that you have to trust to make that transaction with a smart contract, because you know that by reading what the smart contract is programmed to do, it's going to make sure that your transaction is executed, basically. So smart contracts, like I said, really just replace the role of a person with a program. We're going to talk a little bit later in the episode about the differences between Bitcoin and Ethereum and also touch on the price because I think that is pretty relevant, especially at the moment. But before we get there, I'm interested to understand what is Ether and is it different from Ethereum? So when I'm actually investing in this crypto? Yeah, sure. So the Ether cryptocurrency is the native cryptocurrency to the Ethereum blockchain. So you've got Ether, the cryptocurrency, Ethereum, the blockchain. Ether powers the Ethereum blockchain. Um, but the terms are used interchangeably. So you can call it Ether, you can call it you know, it's it's most commonly referred to, I think, as Ethereum, um, you know, when you're going to invest in it. But it's probably also good to note that Ethereum and lots of other cryptocurrencies, you know, they are investment assets because we've made them so. However, cryptocurrencies like Ether actually have a lot more utility beyond just being an investment asset. And I'm sure we'll probably touch on that later as well. You can use the Ether cryptocurrency to do a lot of things in the Ethereum ecosystem, like buy NFTs, you can game in there, you can do a whole bunch of things. So it's a very cool cryptocurrency, I think. So when I'm buying it, it's actually Ether and Ethereum are the same thing. Yes. Good to know. <laughs> I was going to say, I've always thought of it like so differently. And this is why we have to have this conversation because, you know, I don't know a lot about Ethereum, but I had always thought of it like, <laughs> this is probably going to sound stupid. So <laughs> correct me if I'm wrong. But I've always thought of like Ethereum as like a video game, yep. right? Like it's like a platform that you enter into. And then I think of Ether as like the little gold coins that you collect as you're in the video game to buy like, you know, your new shield or your new boots. And that's how I've always thought about it. <laughs> what video game are you playing? <laughs> I don't really play video games, but I just, Evidently. you know. Yeah. <laughs> that's probably, I mean, that's probably a great 
way of thinking about it because in order to participate in the Ethereum ecosystem, just like a game, you need to have the tokens that grant you that access. So that's that's actually a really good way of thinking about it, I think, even though, you know, obviously you can use Ethereum to do lots of different things, but having the Ether cryptocurrency allows you to transact in the Ethereum network. Makes sense then. I'm glad that I used an analogy that worked. (laughs) Yeah, perfect. I've also been reading a little bit lately about, you know, how Ethereum is changing and there's, I think there's a lot of buzzwords around it, but one of the things that I have been reading about is the Ethereum merge. Would you mind, I guess, explaining what that is and what it means? So I like to call the merge Ethereum's glow up. (laughs) Love that for Ethereum. (laughs) Yeah, love that for Ethereum. We love a glow up. It's definitely, um, it's definitely due. I mean, we've been talking, Vitalik Buterin has been talking about the merge since I think as early as 2016. And it is basically Ethereum's transition from a proof of work blockchain to a proof of stake blockchain. The Bitcoin blockchain is a proof of work blockchain and all that really is proof of work and proof of stake are just the two main ways that blockchains validate transactions. Now, proof of work has come to be quite inefficient, energy intensive and a proof of stake network. Proof of work really requires a lot of sort of computers to work quite hard to validate all the transactions that happen in a network, whereas proof of stake only requires that people sort of lock funds in order to provide liquidity in the form of cryptocurrency to the platform. And that is basically the way that the the, the blockchain is powered. And proof of stake is a much more efficient way of doing that. But upgrading a network as big as Ethereum to a you know completely sort of new way of doing things is not an easy task so it has been years in the making and people believe and are hopeful that that the merge will happen this year in the middle of the year and the merge really refers to the merge between the beacon chain and Ethereum's current network. So the beacon chain is proof of stake and Ethereum's current network is proof of proof of work and so once they combine ethereum should become completely a proof of stake network and the effect that this is going to have on the ethereum blockchain and and especially for its users is that it should make ethereum um, cheaper and more efficient to use so whenever you transact in the ethereum sort of ecosystem you are charged what's called gas um, and that's for the pleasure of you know, of buying an NFT or, or, you know, playing a game or whatever. And when the Ethereum network is congested and really busy, the price of gas goes up. You know, I've paid as much as $100 for one transaction to make just one transaction. So the whole point of the merge really is just to, to make it cheaper and easier to use for end users because if people think that it's too expensive and that it's too slow, I mean, obviously people hate waiting, people don't like paying a lot of money for things, then they're going to go elsewhere and use different blockchains. So Ethereum has to work really hard to make sure that it can achieve that upgrade to retain all of the liquidity that's on the platform and to make sure that they don't lose like essentially the equivalent of like their customers. And when you say you pay the gas fees, because I've heard that term a lot, um, especially in the NFT space, where do those fees go to? Is it the platform that you're buying an NFT off or transacting with? Yeah, that's a great question. So those fees are actually the rewards that are given to the validators in the network. So blockchains are decentralized. Ethereum is decentralized. 
And in the absence of a trusted third party, like a bank or, you know, whoever, um, we need to make sure that we can prop up the network via like a different means. So the gas that we pay goes to as a reward to the to the validators in the network to say thank you for you know staking the the cryptocurrency and for helping us validate everyone else's transactions it's just a reward yeah paid pay to the people who prop up the network are validators different from miners that's a great question so as miners is to proof of work validators are to proof of stake so so it's the equivalent on the new system correct yeah so um when you mine bitcoin for example mining is is you know um the action or the verb of the proof of the proof of work blockchain so you mine cryptocurrency to um or you mine bitcoin to validate the transactions secure the network and to release more of that cryptocurrency into the ecosystem. When you um, validators stake cryptocurrency to essentially do the same thing in a much more efficient way. So proof of stake has stakers, validators, and proof of work has miners. And if you would like a recap all about Bitcoin mining, we have done a three-part series on that. So recommend you head back and listen to that one. But we are going to take a quick break for our sponsors and we'll be right back to discuss the use cases for Ethereum and whether or not it is better than Bitcoin. (laughs) Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So I think in obviously our previous episode with, with Bitcoin, we've spoken about its use cases. And I guess for a lot of it, people have been saying that you can you can transact with it like a currency or it's a bit of a store of wealth. How does Ethereum differ? I mean, what problem does Ethereum solve? That's a great question. And I think that I firmly believe in, you know, in the investment value of of looking at a project and going, okay, what problem does it solve? Because ultimately, if it, you know, provides a solution to the problem, then people are going to use it, right? Um, And if you're investing in that cryptocurrency, then obviously, you know, that has the effect of uh, driving up the value of your investment. But there are lots of use cases for Ethereum. I think the most important point here to make is that anyone can build on Ethereum. Ethereum is kind of like this, it has the the infrastructure, um, so it has the smart contract capability, you know, whatnot, and, and 
programmers can go onto Ethereum and build decentralized applications and a whole ton of things for people to, for people to use. Um, and really, you can use Ethereum for anything. It's like a general purpose blockchain. So when we think about the use cases for Ethereum, there's a lot of, I guess, real world things that we can take and go, okay, you could use the Ethereum blockchain or something similar to the Ethereum blockchain to achieve the same thing. So you might look at, for example, supply chain management and go, okay, well, you know, let's take fast fashion as the example, right? And this might be, you know, I'm just sort of talking about blockchain in general, but essentially, you know, Ethereum, this is something that a version of Ethereum could do. Right now, you know, we know that fast fashion is a really big problem, but it's it's the fast fashion fashion market is, is saturated. It's also in extremely high demand. And in the first world, we have the privilege of turning a blind eye to the origins of a piece of clothing. You know, we sort of don't really there's no way for us to really like look into a piece of clothing and go, where was that manufactured? On on what date? By who? Where? You know, whatnot. So I think if you take a concept like that and say, okay, well, we're going to register, we're going to take this piece of clothing and we're going to record every single piece of data about that piece of clothing on the blockchain so that you can trace the origins of where that came from and all the information about it. So once it arrives, you could look at a serial number, say you could then search it on Google or whatever, and you could see made two days ago or, you know, you know, or, or made made here by by this person, by this manufacturing company, and then you could go, oh, well, you know, does this manufacturing company have ethical practices and standards? Do they um, endorse child labour? So by taking something like fast fashion and putting it on the blockchain, we can actually see, you know, that there's a lot more awareness about, um, you know, where where our clothing is coming from. A little bit of a teaser, we are going to have Jordan back next week to discuss all things NFTs. So if you are wanting to learn more about that, make sure you keep your eye out for that. But Jordan, I'm keen to get your thoughts as a retail investor myself. You know, one of the ways that I can get exposure to the crypto space is through companies that are using the technology. Do you know of any companies at the moment that are using Ethereum to improve their business and what are they actually using it for? I don't know of any companies that are using Ethereum to improve their business processes per se because Ethereum wasn't really built to do that. It wasn't built as a product for private businesses to then to then use to like improve the way they do things. Ethereum was built as a standalone network to eliminate businesses from uh, facilitating transactions. So that that's quite a difficult mental shift to make, I think, seeing as we are so used to relying on businesses to do things for us, whereas Ethereum takes away that our reliability and, you know, need to trust people to do certain things. But there are examples of businesses that are using private versions of, you know, or versions of uh, the Ethereum blockchain to, you know, to improve their their business models and business types. So I think there's enormous potential for businesses um, with, you know, to use blockchain technology to improve what they do, especially in say e-commerce, um, like we said, supply chain management, that sort of thing. Um, even it's used for health and medical records. However, I would say that just because blockchain is sort of the hot new technology doesn't mean it needs to be used for absolutely 
everything either. So I think that, you know, there's no kind of need to fear blockchain absolutely taking over the world. It definitely has a place and it definitely has extraordinary utility uh, for some things, but but not everything. Um, and I really, yeah, I think it's it's really important to note that the Ethereum blockchain was really developed not not as a product for businesses, but for individuals to, you know, to transact in a way that is peer-to-peer, like I said before, without having to rely on a business. So making that separation in, in your in your own mind is important, um, but that's definitely not to say that businesses are exploring the power of blockchain technology to, to better what they're doing. One example that I had read about, which I think is like something that really helped me understand it when you say that businesses don't necessarily use it, but could use it to replace what they're doing is the example of Facebook and Ethereum being able to produce, I guess, a platform on it, a decentralized platform where you can do the same things that you do on Facebook, like a social connection network, but it's not con- controlled by any one person. Yeah, correct. That's actually a really great point to make because the whole point of the of the cryptocurrency and sort of blockchain world is to make it so that it's to eliminate the sort of um, the Googles and the, you know, the the Facebooks and those sort of big companies that really take a top-down approach to managing our, our privacy and our data and, and that sort of thing and making it more decentralized and connecting people directly instead of, you know, relying on the platform that is Facebook. It's an interesting dichotomy that they're built to replace your like your companies like Facebook and then you've got Zuckerberg embracing it so much so that he can control the, I don't know what's going yeah, on there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But, you know, one thing that I really learned about the cryptocurrency space and the blockchain space is that there's there's a very strong sense in, in that community for blockchain and crypto to develop a new world that is standalone to the world that we're used to and again really really difficult sort of mental transition to make and it it's kind of weird to think well we wouldn't rely on a bank to you know host our savings we'd rely on like ourselves and you know we would have complete custody of our own cryptocurrency wallet and and whatnot and we'd transact on a on a blockchain that there's no customer service line to call and that has happened to me before but I think as the space evolves um you know people become more comfortable with using it and with transacting in that way then you know, hopefully we'll see an improve. Well, I think that brings us very nicely to discuss some of the key risks of Ethereum. And I guess I'm particularly interested to know whether there are any particular downsides which we should be considering that could mean it could actually become sort of a less popular platform. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Ethereum has this enormous first mover advantage. It's the second blockchain developed after um, the Bitcoin blockchain minus all the sort of version twos of the Bitcoin blockchain that were developed, Um, but it's the first of its kind in terms of being a smart contract blockchain. But ultimately, Ethereum is a new and emerging technology, just like this whole space is. It's new, it's emerging, naturally there are going to be risks. And I think that the risks that, you know, we would want to most care about are really the ones that affect us as the users of the, you know, Ethereum platform. So the risk of expense, you know, like we spoke about before, it's, it can be quite expensive to transact on Ethereum and the risk of it being quite slow. 
And also there's a big risk of, you know, even projects that are built on the Ethereum network, there is a risk that they might uh, rug pull. And I'm not sure if you've heard that term before, but a rug pull is basically when, you know, a team sets up a project, they, they bring investors in and then they kind of run away with all the money. <laughs> and unfortunately, because of the lack of regulation in the space, that is completely legal. And it does result in people losing their cryptocurrency funds. Also, it's the same as scams as well. I almost fell for a scammer the other day and lost about $3,000 worth of NFTs in crypto. Luckily, I didn't, but the space is, you know, still, unfortunately, there are scammers in the space. And because of the lack of education and knowledge we have about how to transact on Ethereum, it's difficult to know what's a scam, what's not. You kind of just... It's, it's through sort of this trial and error and spending time in the Ethereum network to, to sort of discern what is legitimate versus what appears to be legitimate. So I think that, you know, there are a few risks obviously as well with, you know, if you're looking at Ethereum from the view of being an investment asset, then the value of that investment really depends on how many other people are investing in it too. So, you know, if people aren't using the Ethereum network and if people sort of, if developers especially aren't building in the Ethereum ecosystem and, you know, the, the sort of Ether cryptocurrency loses utility and, you know, people don't want to use it anymore, then obviously that's going to drive the investment value of Ethereum down. One sort of indicator that I find really useful is, yeah, like I said before, are software developers using Ethereum to develop on it? That is a a really important thing that I have learned. Um, and where will those software developers go? Where else will they go to build things if they think that Ethereum is too slow or expensive to use? Because ultimately that's going to affect us as the, the investor or the user of the Ethereum network. So there is a risk that, you know, there, obviously there are other competitors in the space that are kind of trying to rival what um, Ethereum is doing and they are doing it somewhat successfully, just not to the same scale yet. But because this space is so new, anything could happen. Anyone could take over, any other blockchain could take over Ethereum if they're sort of, if they're doing, if they're doing the right things. So. So I have to ask, because you said one of the key risks is obviously the value of Ethereum. And if we're using it as an investment asset, what that value is. At the moment, we are seeing a large drop in a lot of the cryptocurrencies and that's obviously to their nature that they're quite volatile but is it because people aren't you know using it there's developers not using it as a platform or what are the kind of main reasons that we're seeing at the moment for the drop yeah that's a really great question i think that there are a lot of things that are contributing to um the kind of drop or the, the downward spiral of the cryptocurrency right now and unfortunately these factors are not to do with um how good Ethereum is or, you know, people's belief in cryptocurrency, it's actually to do with a whole bunch of external factors. You've got the Fed just announced that inflation is at 8.3%. Um, we've got war in the Ukraine, pressure on global supply chains, threat of regulation, um, that absolute disaster that happened with Terra's lunar cryptocurrency this week that wiped almost a quarter of that trillion dollars that was lost um, in the cryptocurrency market with that downward spiral. So, you know, th there are a lot of other factors at play as well. Uh, the cryptocurrency market is closely correlated to the stock market and stocks are also down. So when stocks go down, crypto is also going 
down as well. Cryptocurrency is a little bit like a, you know, a toddler trying to walk and it's constantly being pushed over by all these external factors that are um, beyond its control. So I think when people see cryptocurrency go down, they think, oh, cryptocurrency is crap. It's not worth anything, you know, blah, blah, blah. But actually, when you step back and look at the broader picture, there are a lot of macroeconomic factors that are at play that are affecting the movement of the markets as well. And one thing that is definitely worth noting is that most of that market movement, I mean, is caused by these really, really big institutional investors. They're called whale, or whale investors, people with a lot of money in the cryptocurrency market. They are ultimately causing that rapid movement in the cryptocurrency market. And what does that mean for retail investors? Unfortunately, that, that affects our positions. But really, investing is an emotional game, as you would know. Um, and if you can sort of see the big pack, the big picture factors that are at play, and you can understand why the markets are down, then you'll sort of know that it's not for lack of, or it's not for the reason that cryptocurrency is is a bad asset. It's actually great. It's a, it's a great asset. <laughs> it's so interesting because I feel like for a long while there, people were really kind of telling this narrative that crypto was kind of like a diversification tool from the stock market and that it wouldn't really move with the stock market. And yet over the last few months, that's really what we've seen happen. Mm, that's a great point, Maddie. I think a lot of people were hopeful that cryptocurrency would be an inflation hedge. So, you know, they sort of they thought, great, you know, when everything goes to crap in the economy and when the fiat currency system is down, everyone's going to throw their money into cryptocurrency and it's going to be this safe haven and, you know, whatever. Um, <laughs> Has not happened. And that's and that, that exactly right. That hasn't happened. And, you know, cryptocurrency hasn't had the chance yet, I don't think, to prove itself as an inflation hedge. I mean, we're really just at the start of what could be a very few painful years for the market. Um, and whether or not cryptocurrency will kind of decouple from the stock market and stand alone as its own kind of, I guess, real asset asset class that, that people are going to invest their money into is yet to be seen. However, in the same sense, cryptocurrency was never developed to be an inflation hedge. And really, it was never developed to be an, an investment asset either. We have made it into that because that is what we're familiar with. Um, and obviously, the more money that people have made as you know out of investing in crypto, the more it's become um, an asset to invest in. But really, cryptocurrency was was firstly designed as an alternative altogether to the fiat currency system, and you know other cryptocurrencies serve more of a purpose in that in terms of you know being able to transact on the blockchain. So it's interesting how we kind of take this thing that was meant to be, you know, that was designed to to provide an alternative and we've gone, well, it should work in our current system and how can we make it work in our current system and it should be able to do this, but that's not actually the case and it'll be interesting to see what way it goes. <laughs> Stop trying to make us something. Like yeah, that. exactly. <laughs> I have to ask because when I started investing in crypto and first sort of started thinking about the space, I felt like I had to pick one cryptocurrency that was going to be the winner is that like when we look at Bitcoin and Ethereum, they're the two biggest cryptos in the space. Can only one be successful or can they all sort of work together in this whole new world that we're potentially moving into and sort of bring different use cases to make things better? There's lots of different kinds of blockchains and they all serve different purposes as well. So 
Ethereum isn't really a rival to the Bitcoin blockchain or Bitcoin itself because they're completely different cryptocurrency assets. So yeah, used for, used for different things. <laughs> I mean, the Bitcoin blockchain is used, used to um, exchange Bitcoins peer-to-peer without interference from a bank and it's a scarce digital asset and that's why it retains so much of its value. There's only ever going to be 21 million Bitcoins to ever exist and because of that scarcity, it drives the value of Bitcoin up and that's what makes it a, a store of value asset. Um, whereas with Ethereum, there's no kind of, you know, there isn't, it's not a scarce digital asset. Um, you know, it, it's used for a completely different purpose in the Ethereum ecosystem. So yes, while there are some cryptocurrencies that are absolutely in competition with each other, you might think about um, Solana as being a direct competitor to Ethereum, um, you know, same as... We're going to have to do more episodes on that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, And, you know, you can sort of venture down the whole rabbit hole. But right now, we're really just seeing... Um, it's kind of like when the internet first became a thing and all these companies, there was the internet bubble and all of these companies were just vying to be the Google. They were vying to be the Amazon. They were vying to be the Facebook. Everyone was competing to be that kind of like that, the winner. And that's exactly what's happening in the cryptocurrency market at the moment. There's a lot of projects that are, you know, cropping up and everyone's sort of in competition with each other and they're all vying for the top spot. And like I said, they all perform different things. So It's tricky to, you know, when you're thinking about investing in cryptocurrency as an asset, I guess I don't think that there's going to be one winner necessarily, just like there wasn't one winner to come out of the out of the internet era. I mean, we've we've got, you know, a lot of big companies that are profiting, but when you think about the cryptocurrency space, it's, you know, what purpose does this cryptocurrency serve? What does the blockchain do? What problem does it solve? And you'll probably find that there are lots of different blockchains doing different things that you think oh yeah, cool. That, that solves this problem. And that's where I want to invest my money. I am really curious because, you know, you've just mentioned that this, this world of cryptocurrency, there's information overload. It's just like when the internet was popping up, there's so many people involved. What are your go-to resources to really understand the world of cryptocurrencies? And I guess for Ethereum specifically as well. It's taken me a long time to really hone the voices that I trust the most I would absolutely say the Coin Bureau on YouTube is a phenomenal resource and also Whiteboard Crypto um, on YouTube as well. So they're both really sort of top, top end like resources that I, that I use quite frequently to help me understand things as well as Bankless podcast I've really been enjoying that I feel like after we did our mini series on crypto and then I get we focused on bitcoin in particular I felt like I had a really good base understanding and then recently I actually went to um, this evening where we discussed crypto and I honestly left and I was like I'm more confused than when I started and I think it's because this space is like the more you learn the more you realize how much you don't know and that's okay. Like that's quite exciting, but there really is just so much to it that it is just the take it day by day. Constantly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. You have to, and you know the the best analogy that I've heard is that you know trying to learn everything about cryptocurrency is like drinking water from a fire hose. It just you know it's like it's too it's too much. <laughs> too much water. That's a great visual. <laughs> Jordan, what piece of advice would you give to someone starting out on their crypto journey who wants to really get involved and learn a little bit more? 
I think an important message is that you don't need to know how to service a car in order to be able to drive it. Just like you don't need to know how to um, program or be a complete nerd to be involved in the cryptocurrency space and to explore it. It certainly helps, but um, you don't need it. All you need is a curious mind really to get started. And you get to choose what you want to learn. I think the most important thing is just to just to make a start. I would also say that this space is incredibly welcoming, I've found. Um, I feel like there's a bit of a perception of the cryptocurrency space that it's for a certain kind of person. It's absolutely not. Everyone is welcome. And I think that we need to create the resources to help people understand the space. And if people don't understand the space, then we're doing something wrong. Um, so, you know, a piece of advice that I would give to, to people just starting out is start having conversations with your friends, start talking about it. Um, once you become known for talking about a topic, people will come to you with information. Like that's what I've really found is that we need to be having these conversations and, Granted, it's a very intimidating topic to get across, but the more that we can sort of come together and learn about it together, the easier it's going to make learning about the, the topic altogether. My piece of advice would be to go across to the Happy Spender, <laughs> your TikTok or your Thanks Instagram, so. because honestly, for me, it was like this space is really difficult to understand. And I feel like you break things down very nicely and you also get like really specific bits of information and then you break that little specific bit down. So if you just want to learn one little bit for the day, it's not an overwhelming amount. It's just like, cool, that's a now a new term that I understand. And we don't have enough time right now to talk about all the bits of Ethereum. So if you are interested to go and learn more, I would Thanks, highly so. recommend the Happy Spender. <laughs> That's me. Which is Jordan. <laughs> yeah, we, we can learn about it together. Well, Jordan, thank you so much for helping us break down the world of Ethereum. As I did mention in this episode, we are so excited to be welcoming you back next week to help us learn about the NFT space. So we will end it there for today, but we cannot wait to see you again next week. Great. Can't wait. Thank you. I think every conversation that I have about Ethereum or any cryptocurrency just gets a little bit easier. Like I know there's information overload, but I'm a little bit like a little dot connects each time that we have these conversations. Completely agree. I think it is the space of never ending learning, but it's a very interesting one at that. We will be posting more content on our Instagram at YIGC Podcast. You can also check out our TikTok at YIGC Podcast. And we would love to hear your thoughts on the episode. And of course, if you have any follow-up questions, so please join our Facebook group at YIGC Investing Podcast Discussion Group. We haven't done that in a while, have we? Throw to you for the day. <laughs> <laughs> we are super excited to welcome Jordan back next week to break down the world of NFTs. But until then, catch you next week. Bye. You're in Good Company is a product of Equity Mates Media. All information in this podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only. It is not intended as a substitute for professional finance, legal, or tax advice. The hosts of You're in Good Company are not financial professionals and are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from a podcast. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the Equitymates website where you can find ASIC resources and find a registered financial professional near you. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media and the hosts of Your In Good Company acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. 
we pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.